Hi everyone, it's Vanessa here from Working It, a careers podcast. I hope you are all keeping great. Today I will be chatting with Roy Kelly, who is the co-founder of MRK Events, and who also works full-time at the fashion competition Junkature. After completing the leave insert, Roy accepted a scholarship at Stago IT to study business. However, after realising it wasn't for him, he then moved towards playing football for Derry City and studying journalism at the Tech on the side. After completing his journalism degree in Liverpool, Roy moved back home where he worked in the family business and this is also when he got his first taster of events management. Roy was offered a job in London to work in sports journalism and this is where he created his company, MRK Events. This is a fantastic episode for anyone who is interested in a career in journalism or anyone who is interested in events management and just isn't sure of what the jobs entail. I thoroughly enjoyed recording this episode with Rory and listening to the career that led him towards MRK events and also working with Junkature. And I also really hope that you guys enjoy listening too. Hi Rory, thank you so much for joining us today on episode 4 of Working at a Careers podcast. How have you been keeping? Really good, Vanessa. Thanks for having me. Um, really, really busy, busy as ever. Can't can't complain too much that way. No, how's things with you? Oh, all good. It's great to hear that you're busy because there's a lot of people who are bored and wish that they were busy at the moment. Ah, <laughs> oh, stop. Like I, I see. To be honest, I don't think I've ever been as busy. Like I think all this, all this kind of downtime has let me look at look at all the different bits of work that I'm doing and line them up and I suppose say now where am I putting my time and like every hour of the day is nearly being used at this stage so I can't complain too much. That's great to hear. So Roy, see today, could you talk me through, um, you know, after leaving school in 2008, how was it that you went to Sligo and you did a sports scholarship and then how was it that you got into playing professional football for Derry City and then moving towards your journalism degree? Yeah, so you, you kind of you, you nailed it all there. Like I um, <laughs> I was one of those secondary school students that kind of came out of my leaving cert not really knowing what I wanted to be doing. And, you know, at the time I was very focused on, on like playing football and I've been over to England and stuff like that. And whenever... I kind of got through my UCAS and my CAO and everything. I, I still didn't really have a clue what I wanted to be at. So I ended up, I got offered um, I got offered a scholarship to Sligo IT, um, studying business, which is funny now that looking back that I walked away from it. Like, But um, I did that for a year. Didn't, didn't really enjoy it. Like I, I kind of knew at that stage it wasn't for me. I think I was very immature as well. I was only turned 17 about three weeks before I started and moving away, albeit it was only an hour and a half down the road. I think doing that kind of opened my eyes a wee bit in terms of not wanting or, or knowing that I didn't want to be there. And, you know, I, I, I in certain aspects, I had a good year down there. Um, I won like an All-Ireland, uh, the All-Ireland Colleges title with the football team there. I think it was the first time the college had ever done it like but on a personal level I always see myself uh elsewhere so I ended up I, I came back came back home that summer and I played for Derry City in the Foil Cup and that that went really well so much so that they they asked me in then for the for the senior team for the following season and at, at the same time that kind of aligned really well with the the tech and dairy as well as the NWRC they had a journalism course which 
I had kind of been looking at and I'd been looking into in terms of writing because like that I suppose everybody has everybody has an an outlet some way. It's no different if you're podcasting or if you're, you know, if you're playing music or things like that. Like and my outlet was writing, so um that I really really enjoyed that and I decided to actually go for a journalism course and pair pair the two together. So it worked out quite well. Then I ended up, you know, playing with Derry and studying and 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 the NWRC then for two years as well so I suppose the 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 journalism the journalism it partnered up really well with uh with the football and that's it so did you do a lot of um journalism for sports and for different football games that were on yeah so like, like initially um because I always had the interest in music and I always had the interest in you know going to gigs and stuff I would have always done like bits and pieces, say for like local papers and stuff about like different bands that were in Dublin or different singers that were coming up and then maybe go to a few gigs up around here and, you know, photograph them and things like that. But in terms of the actual writing side, I suppose I got a bit of a break um, uh, in the sports journalism uh, sports journalism world, like I think ha- having the access to players whenever I was a player myself and you know, having having the profile in terms of with a really, really good group called Extra Time, uh, who are based down in Dublin, like that gave me a platform to actually go and, you know, talk to different players and managers and, you know, build up relationships that way. And whenever you're able to do that in, stu- in such a small sector, then I think that stands to you then whenever you try to, you know, try to find openings and try to, try to you know, arrange interviews and features and things like that. And, I think the doing that not only allowed me to, you know, as I said about access, but it, it did allow me to meet a lot of really good people and a lot of a lot of people that I found were in the same boat as myself in terms of really starting out. Because even at that point, like, I didn't know if I wanted to do journalism. I didn't know if I wanted to be a sports reporter. I didn't know if I wanted to be a feature writer. I didn't know if I wanted to be on radio, on newspapers or whatever. So I kind of took I took I took in every aspect and tried everything and. By the end of it, then I think I I really did I really found that the writing side was was probably my favorite, but also it was for me it was probably the best way of expressing myself and probably creating a wee bit of traction too as well. So that way it was it was it was something that I really really found helpful and you know in terms of planning for the future then going forward. Well, definitely, I think when you are interested in journalism where it's so broad it is good to kind of dabble in everything because you might say for example you might have went down the sports route but then you might have been like actually you know actually I really do prefer the music one instead so I think it is good to kind of try a wee bit of everything before you stick to one you know like to one sector of it I suppose. A hundred percent and like I couldn't agree more with you there because like there were times whenever I was sitting you know, and I'd be struggling for ideas in terms of writing for writing for sports sections and stuff. And like, I was very lucky because some, you know, there was a lot of good people involved in the local papers at the time. Like, um, what one one friend of mine in particular, he he managed to get me in for like a regular, a regular appearance in the NH Times down here, which is which was great. Like, and it was one where I gained a little bit of traction, and you know, people were reading it and people were reacting to what I was writing, but. At the same time, I never wanted to be pigeonholed just as a sports writer or as a football writer or, you know, anything like that. So what I did from time to time, I went and did like features with people, um, you know, got 
dug a wee bit deeper in terms of what stories they had in terms of like their profiles and their histories and you know their family upbringing and stuff and that was something that I always loved doing because I think everybody has a story to tell I think that you know some of the best stories aren't aren't told or aren't public knowledge so if you're able to scratch under the surface with someone and ask the right questions and you know get get their story out on paper and get it out for eyes to read provided they're comfortable with it I think like that's a blessing and that's something that I feel I always I, I was always good at but it was always something that I was interested in doing you know I, I wasn't happy being stuck you know going to matches and doing reports of matches or doing interviews with sports people where like as anybody will anybody will say now like you, you, your sports person interview aside from the very very odd case they're all nearly robotic at this stage they're like templated where they know what they can say and they know what they can't say and they end up sounding sounding like robots and sounding the exact same so that was never of interest to me it was more you know the story and the background and something something more intriguing than than just your run-of-the-mill day-to-day interview and what year was it that you graduated in your degree in journalism? So I finished uh, I finished the tech in Derry in 2011 and I finished John Moore's in 2013 then. What was it that then took you towards your events role in the family ran business in 2014? Yeah, so that that was that was like it was almost by default like I I come home from university and you know, I, I was like anybody at the time who was who had a media degree. You were kind of you were kind of competing for the same jobs as everyone else, and unfortunately for me, like my freelance experience to date, and it didn't really stand up to much. Whenever I came into, you know, applying for jobs, and and at the time I didn't really want to move away again. I'd been away for two years in Liverpool, and I came home, and you know, a lot of the jobs in the media sector were in Dublin, and. I didn't really picture myself going to Dublin at that time and um my I was I was very, very fortunate. Two of my cousins, um, Kieran and Stephen Devine, they own Evermore Energy, they gave me an opportunity with them and at the time like the, the they were doing a lot of exciting things in terms of renewable energy and every day for me was like a learning curve, not only in that sector but also from them too as entrepreneurs and as as business people and you know, they, they presented me with another opportunity during that time to go down and basically manage the manage the events and the venue in McGrory's in Kildaff. And like I, I'd been around in McGrory's since I was a child, like it was my, it would be my mum's home house and, you know, a really, really esteemed music venue now and hotel and restaurant and bar and all the rest. But the music venue, it was always something that had a bit of history and, you know, it had some amazing acts play there over the years and for me at the time I was looking at it going shit like this is a (laughs) this is a big opportunity but it was daunting at the same time because I didn't know anything about booking music and I didn't know anything about you know how to go around booking bands and stuff so whenever the boys threw me in I took their trust in me as being like a real sign of encouragement and a real sign of you know Rory you're able to do this you're able you know put your head down get at this and give it a go and see how it works and I think like like anything else you I, I the more you do it I think the better you get at it and I had a really a really good year year to 18 months there and I think like some of the acts that I booked they weren't necessarily it might not have been the fit for the venue but I think what they did do they kind of paved the way for the venue then to actually go and get uh, acts that were 
for like a new audience for there like so your younger people that may not necessarily have been aware of the place and I think bringing that kind of fresh approach to it, it it's not only stood to me but it also it also helped me you know get, open doors for myself then within the music industry and you know it, it's funny because the like there's one thing that I, I always kind of say is that whenever I was starting out I felt there was a real detachment from the rest of the Irish music music industry for where we were in Donegal and Basinderry and everything and I think that's something then that I carried through and said, well, how do I challenge that? And how do I, how do I maybe set up lines of communication or how do you set up lines of, you know, dialogue between yourself and bands that may not necessarily have any contacts up here. And, you know, that was, that was, was that was one of the first building blocks then to, to setting up MRK. And after you moved home and when you were working in Kuldaff, when was it then that you moved to London? Yeah, so I... I I worked worked with McGrory's for about yeah about a year year and a half and then like I was I again you're talking about opportunities like I I was given a really really exciting opportunity for anybody interested in football anybody interested in sport and I was approached by a football agency based in London or who were opening their operations in London and you know at the time I was kind of you know I. I it was absolutely amazing like and at the time I think it, it it worked for me because you know I think I was getting a bit a bit bored with life back back here and you know going nine to five and stuff and you know I, th- I felt like for someone I think I was only 20 I think I was 23 at the time I, ju- I needed a change and I needed that you know that increase in pace in my life and you know I jumped at the chance whenever I got the whenever I got the opportunity to move to London because not only did the job fit in with something that I wanted to be doing, but it also was you know it was a chance to go and live in one of the one of the best cities in the world in, in my opinion and you know I, I I don't think you get those opportunities too often and for for someone that was so interested in football and someone that you know always had like the business the business thinking on in terms of football too because it it was one of those where. I knew as a as a footballer, like there was things that would have held me back from becoming a footballer. But I always had that, you know, that interest then and in what what goes on behind a footballer's career in terms of you know, as an agent, uh, contract stuff like that. I always was kind of intrigued in that as well. So, whenever that opportunity came, and I thought, no, Rory, you have to jump at this, otherwise you might never get another chance like it again. So did you prefer more working in the background than actually out playing on the field? Um, I think I think by that stage I had kind of I'd lost love of the game a wee bit because I'd I'd had a few knockbacks and you know, I, and I think in my own head I went down a few holes as well in terms of you know thinking that you weren't good enough and you know looking at your friends doing well and stuff like that and you know really questioning your own ability and questioning your own. I don't know, like your your own your own makeup and your own kind of uh, personality for it and stuff. So whenever, whenever all that was happening, like there there was always something that kind of would have pulled me back to football in terms of, you know, as I said, like the the agency side, the business side, the the off the field stuff, and you know, at that point, I think I was probably more more suited to doing something off off the field. But listen, as as it went on, like I think. I kind of rediscovered my love for playing again during that time because you know whenever you're surrounded by people 
that are just so passionate about football and they're so passionate about you know like every aspect of it I think like that kind of it rubs off on you and uh, you know even though I was only playing at a certain level myself then like as I got older it ended up me kind of enjoying that more and more every week and I, I think that was something that I don't directly put it down to you know the experience of working working in football but I, I definitely do put down attributes to it definitely 100%. Mm-hmm. just brought your love back for it again <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely and I think that's really important because as I said look you, you can you can end up at times really questioning yourself and you can question lots of things especially at a young age whenever you're 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 surrounded by people that are doing well but you're also surrounded by people that you know that you're seeing downfalls and you're seeing people not not get through and stuff and that's something that always played in my head then I was always wondering oh Jesus am I am I ever going to make anything of myself and you know I'd been given opportunities and stuff and I think it's 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 backing yourself during that time then to say no right the right one's coming the right one's coming and thankfully for me I think through through initiative and through maybe a wee bit of a wee bit of luck at times too you know the 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 right opportunities did come around then eventually no, definitely, because I feel like a degree, you know, like journalism or sports or, you know, other degrees like music or whatever, aren't the same as degrees in teaching or medicine where you know what route you're going to go down. And it is easy to lose confidence in yourself when you don't really know who to go day or sometimes you feel like it's about who you know as well. So it is important to make sure that you keep going and just keep yourself positive. Yeah, 100%. Like, and. I- like the positive mind frame one for me has always been a big thing because like I've I've flirted with it and then I've flirted with the other side of it as well whenever you think that everything you do is shit and like at that time there's nothing worse you know there's really nothing worse and I think it is about maybe dragging yourself out of it and saying right well tomorrow is a new day what can we do and like don't get me wrong whenever whenever I did go to London there like not every day was brilliant and you know, there were days whenever I really did question, you know, the path I was going or whenever I questioned if I was suitable for it or if I could see myself doing it for 20 or 30 years. And, you know, it did get to a point then where I kind of decided I, t- I took the I took the plunge again as as I did a few years before that and said, no, well, you know what, Roy, like you've tried this, you've given us a good go here, but maybe your future lies elsewhere. Like, and, you know, I, I think you have to be assured in that because the the less sure you are about making a decision like that I think you know the less prepared you are definitely then for whenever something comes up so I was very I was very you know I was very certain in my decision to leave it um don't get me wrong I, I think that I, I walked away from a lot of good people and I walked away from an industry that perhaps like many people would many young lads anyway they would be they would love to get into and you know, as I said, it was an opportunity that was presented to me and it, it's something then that, you know, I think that I did pick up a lot from, but ultimately three years after, it, it just it just wasn't for me. Um, It wasn't for me personally and I suppose on a professional level as well. How did you manage to operate MRK events alongside your journalism position? Because it must have been really difficult managing two jobs at once. Yeah, like it's, uh, it was and it wasn't like because I think whenever whenever I was over there, like I was very lucky and I lived with I lived with a couple of my best friends and 
you know, we were always kind of finding things to do in the evenings in terms of if we weren't exploring London, we were bloody playing FIFA or something like that, you know, like like any typical fellas do in, the, in, the, in their downtime. But at the same time, I, I always kind of, you know, I, I looked at my time in, in McGrory's and I was like, geez, I, I did develop a love for, you know, for booking shows and booking gigs. And at the time, my sister Megan, she was working or she was studying, um, she was studying for an events management degree and the two of us were kind of throwing ideas over and back and one summer I think it was summer 2016 we decided to basically touch base with um with O'Flaherty's bar in Bunkrana and say to them look lads he's up for running a festival or something this summer and they were like Jesus sounds like a good idea and for us it was like well it's something new we haven't done it before but I suppose it would give us the taste of whether or not we would we would want to be in in this in this sector like so we went for it um looking back it it was probably comical how how the setup was but i think you you learn i think you you work hard at these things you try things out no and i think it it definitely stood us in, in in a good position then to actually say right well let's set up a company let's let's begin to work with bands let's begin to work with managers and let's begin to you know, try to get on this trail of actually revitalizing what is a very, you know, a very exciting music scene in, in the Northwest. And, you know, having that motivating factor in, in, in the back of your mind as well, as and even as a, as a side, as a side project, as a, as a, well, it would have been a hobby at times. It kind of, it does excite you and it, and it, it does, you know, it motivates you to actually say, right, well, there has a wee bit of, there has you know, there's a bit of potential in this and that's something that was so important as well whenever we were whenever we were planning out, we were saying, right, well, how do we get to a certain point after five years and now we are almost five years in and it's been, it's been good. <laughs> it's, it's been going well so far. <laughs> that's fantastic. And I feel like the music industry is changing all the time because now rave and techno music seems to be so big and a lot of people like people don't really tend to go to live music and bands anymore so i feel like it's good that you are bringing that scene back up again too yeah thanks very much like i think it's 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 one of those things where that was going to be the challenge at the very start that was always going to be the challenge um you know Derry for for such an amazing city was such amazing artists to come from there in the past like it had for like and there's nothing wrong with this but it had kind of become your go-to place then for as you say your raves your techno music but then also for like your rebel music and your 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 irish irish folk and stuff like that so for us neither of us with an with an interest in either of those genres we decided to kind of say well who do we know like what have we done what have we tried in mcgrory's and what do we think might work in Derry and thankfully like what we've done so far in Derry in terms of you know the the bands that we've brought every gig has been scalable so you know we've always kind of entered at a at a say a 200 or a 300 cap with a band and then seen how it went and thankfully for us like that's really really been the right road because we've managed to grow audiences for bands as well so your your Hudson Taylors your Academics your Ryan McMullen like you, those those kind of acts, I think in particular we tried them out, um, at smaller at smaller capacities and, 
I think they've been they've been a huge part in terms of the growth of 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 what we've become and you know I think people see that we're doing things the right way and they're seeing that we're trying to kind of revitalize some scene and you know there is the market there for it and that's something that we noticed early doors we were like there are a core group of people here that do want live music so what can we bring to them that we know they'll come to and yeah that's 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 how we've been that's how we've been building year on year and you know growing our venue size obviously scaling up each time but then also being aware of what we have behind us as well in terms of being able to go to a 100 capacity venue or a 300 capacity venue and sell them out too like they're they're still very very important to us and it's definitely not something that we would we would ever turn our nose up at either no that's great and see for anyone who would be interested in events management what would a day-to-day work day look like at mrk events sorry <laughs> oh vanessa you're asking the wrong person you're asking because <laughs> honestly my my days are either made up of emails or they're made up of phone conversations and you know i'm I'm very lucky that with mrk i can operate mrk um on the side of 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 my full-time role with junk couture but with mrk in terms of the the event management like if you're talking on the day of a gig what we found is that you know we we've built a team now where we have about maybe there's about five of us that work every gig so you know if, if that's maybe one of us is there to to greet the band one of us you know the same person will greet our production team um you know the venue deal with the venue lays with the venue and then as the, as the day goes on then we'll obviously bring in our team then to manage tickets or to manage admissions um you know to be doing our social media to be doing our photography or videography so we're, we're quite lucky that way in terms of you know, we, we don't necessarily we don't necessarily need a massive team because the, the people that are involved um are involved in the gigs and in, in those bases, like they're people that will keep coming back and they're people that are hungry and they're people that are, you know, that they want to do well but they also they're part of the journey with MRK too because you know, like one of the things I would say to anybody that does come do anything with us is that, you know, for, for what we can offer in terms of you know finances and everything it's it's totally different then to what we can offer in terms of networking and you know I, I used this example a few weeks ago um was that like our photographer and you know she dervla harper like dervla great great photographer but dervla came to one of our shows in the in the glassworks and within a year 18 months she was on stage at bell sonic photographing huge acts she was on stage at sea sessions photographing acts and like that's not necessarily down to us but it's it's definitely something that she's been able to carry with her in terms of you know having having that work on her cv and like our videographer sean mcquade he his his work's unbelievable like any musician knows sean from like roadie tv and stuff but sean shot a gig with us it got like I think it's over a million views on YouTube and then he shot another gig with us and a week later he was in Crow Park shooting the Rolling Stones because of the introductions he made that day. Like so there's there's all these mad connections that you make and you know, the Irish circle's so small so that you know, if we can if we can open a door for someone or if we can network for different people then, you know, we'll definitely do that if 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 they're willing to, you know, work alongside us on something. And 
you mentioned John Couture before, so how then did you move from creating MRK to then working with John Couture as well? Ah, oh, here it's, it's it's like anything that's kind of come up in my life. I I probably haven't had a direct role. In it. It's kind of just kind of fallen on my, fallen on my doorstep nearly at times. But I th- <laughs> um, the Couture, like John Couture, was like it, it was something that I got involved with on a very loose level initially. Um, I had done a wee bit of management work with the CEO Troy Armour before, whenever he had a music management company and. You know, it was always something I was very interested in that way. But whenever um, Megan then joined Junkature, their operations team was quite small and she needed a bit of help um, on their live show. So fast forward about a month and I was I was working at a show with Junkature in the three arena. And I think around that time, we were kind of looking at different opportunities and ways we could sync MRK and Junkature. But then it... it, it like Troy presented me with a really good a really good chance and a really good challenge to say, Well Roy, look, why don't you why don't you come work for us instead? And you know, there's there are different elements where you bring quality to, but then also I suppose that extra set of hands in terms of helping with the management of the shows, you know, having that experience of running gigs but then also having contacts and actually knowing how to work within that industry and knowing how to negotiate and you know, manage partnerships and, you know, relationships and that. And thankfully, like, he, Troy gave me a really good chance. And I suppose here I am. I just, I think LinkedIn, LinkedIn showed me last week that it was my one year anniversary of a junketure. So um, that's a year in, everything's going really well. And, you know, I'm really, really, really enjoying it. Like, Oh, that's great to hear. And, um, could you explain what junketure is for anyone who is like, what What even is that? <laughs> yeah, of course. So junketure is a recycling, uh, recyclable fashion competition for post-primary school students. So really, um, I suppose the premise of it is to empower uh, Gen Zs. It's, it's, you know, to challenge them to actually use their creativity, but also educate themselves uh, about sustainability at the same time. And, what we focus on or what we have been focusing on in, in, in the 10 years to date has been, you know, generating generating this model whereby you have these large life scale or these live large scale events that you can put into places like your three arena. Um, and thankfully to date, it, it's gone really well. Obviously this year we managed to get our regional finals over and done with, um, which was really good. But our grand finals have uh, it's been postponed to the autumn obviously with COVID-19 and everything but what it does is like it it, 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 pre- it presents people with a real platform to show you know what they can do like one of the, one of the things that I would always say whenever I'm giving talks in Junkature or whenever I'm you know giving presentation or anything is that for people in secondary school that are into sport you have something to aim towards you know you have your school teams you have your national competitions your individual competitions there's always this element of you know competition aimed towards but for creative types that isn't necessarily there so you know junketure is that junketure is that creative competition for young people that are interested in fashion that are interested in art that are interested in design in textiles in engineering almost because what what it does is you know it not only does it boost their confidence and you know it, it allows them to upskill and to teach themselves new things but it also 
away from the empowerment element, like it also gives them that social capital, you know, it gives them that bit of, you know, that bit of confidence to walk around the school with, you know, I'm doing this and, you know, not, not necessarily operate within themselves. And like, as, as it's so obvious in any walk of life, like whenever you have something, you know, that, that, that gives you that little bit of presence or that gives you that little bit of a boost personally and in, in terms of your confidence as well, you, you do tend to carry that around. Like, and I think John Couture in terms of empowering people, but also then inspiring people is, has been, has been absolutely incredible to date. And it's something then that we feel as a team and that we've been building towards, um, as a team as well, is that we feel that can, you know, translate globally and not just in Ireland where it's been for the first or for, for the first 10 years. So, it's something that we're working on. It's something that we are, you know, there we're putting building blocks in place with it at the minute. But so far, so good, and you know, it's it's it it's really really exciting things to come with it as well. I'm looking forward to see all the things to come, and I think it's really important, as you said, you know, people who maybe are looking to do a creative degree or who are just coming out. I think it puts a lot of people off because they're thinking there's no jobs and they're probably thinking where do I go from here so I think it's important that things like John Couture show people what they can do and what is available for them if they really you know have the confidence and stick at it and you know just pursue with it 100% 100% like because I like one of the things that one of the things that's kind of stuck with me since I joined John Couture is you know how big a role it plays in people's lives and how big a role it plays in these kids lives whereby as you said, like people are looking further down the line than they should be. They're looking at whenever they're 25, even though they're only 15 or 16, they're going, oh, what am I going to do for work? Or where am I going to go to college? Or what am I going to do in university? And like to ask a 16 or 17 year old to make a life altering decision like that in terms of what do you want to be? Don't get me wrong. There's going to be people that will say, right, I want to be a doctor and they'll go and they'll hunt that career and they will get that career and they'll work hard for that career. And that is nothing to nothing to ever turn your nose up at like but for your creatives and for your people that might necessarily like might not necessarily you know envisage there being any jobs like that shouldn't deter them from from trying it and i think what one of the things that we've picked up as well with john couture has been that you know the student stories themselves like we've had students that you know have won prizes or they've gone and they've gone on to get scholarships to fashion colleges and things like that and it all comes from you know it's within them like all all junkature is for those people as a platform to actually go and express themselves and you know we're not we're not coaching them we're not doing any of that like we're just literally giving them an opportunity to display what they can do and you know to a national level and hopefully now to an international level as well going forward like but i think it's 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 really exciting and I think one one of the things that we feel as a team, like one of the things that we are most proud of is that, you know, is being part of a journey for someone and, you know, years down the line, them turning around and saying, oh, you know, like one of the turning points or one of, one of my best memories of my time in school was, you know, being on a junkature stage or being in the final in the three arena or, you know, going to or movie premiere or something and walking the red carpet and my junkature design something like that like and 
you know that that that's that makes it all worthwhile for what we're doing and i think like that they're they're the stories then that kind of will stick with the competition as it goes along and as it moves into new places i think that is really good advice for anyone who is maybe you know in school or leaving university who has done fashion who has done music or even journalism like you did and just doesn't know where to go or feels like they've made a mistake maybe in choosing that degree Mm -hmm. 100% like and as I said, look, there are there are cases when, you know, people do know what they want to do and people are very set in stone of what they want to be and, you know, they have their career roadmaps lined out. Like, but for creatives, like, that's not, that's not usually the case. Like, for music students, that's not usually the case as well. So, you know, having that, having that something then that can add to it and having something then that you can, you know, put your mind to for a year or two years and then be able to carry that with you, you know, that, that, that I think stands to you as well, especially whenever you kind of, as you grow up and as you kind of look back on what you've done and, you know, where, where your journey's taking you as well. Like for me, I never thought I'd ever be working for Junkature. I was always, like, I always was aware of it, you know, from, from being from Bunkrana and obviously the company was like originated in Bunkrana and stuff I was always you know I knew about it I didn't know anything about it but I knew of it and I think for me now it's, it's probably presented probably the most exciting opportunity that I've ever had in my career like and you know that's that's 12 years on from sitting doing my leave insert saying Ah oh, Jesus, what am I gonna do whenever all this is over? Like I was, I was talking to one of my friends during the week, like, and we were we were talking about like our leaving certain stuff because obviously, you know, this is the time of year when the good weather comes and you're you tend to be stuck inside doing exams, and we were talking about it saying the only thing that we could look forward to whenever we were doing our leaving cert was getting the oxygen well, that that July to go down and, you know, sitting punches down racecourse and listen to as much music as we could like and. You know, we weren't thinking about where we wanted to be. We weren't thinking about the careers we wanted to pursue. But obviously, over time, like the roadmaps had to change a few times. And you know, um, a a good friend of mine uses a good uh, a good example too, whereby, you know, sometimes if you're if you're at the first tee and you're looking down the golf course, you don't know where you're going unless you see a flag. Like, and you know, sometimes your flags have to change as, as your career goes on and. That's something that's been definitely been the case for myself, but I think it's something that is the case as well for a lot of creatives that tend to come through Junkature as well. Definitely, I think that's really good advice for anyone who is, you know, stuck and isn't sure where to go forward. But uh, thank you so much for coming on today. Your career has definitely been a squiggly one. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's very fair to say. <laughs> Thanks a million for having me, Vanessa. I really enjoyed it, and you know, uh, I'm I'm one of them people. That I talk a lot, but you know, <laughs> I I think I think I make sense sometimes as well. So. <laughs> no, thank you so much. I really thoroughly enjoyed listening to you today. Perfect, Vanessa. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Working It a Careers Podcast. Stay tuned for next week, where I'll be joined by Chris McCann, who is the creator of the music management company Music Paths. This will be a great episode for anyone who is maybe interested in a career in music performance, events management and also music management. So I hope to see you all again next week for another episode of Working It, a careers podcast.